Welcome to the Retirement Is Within Reach podcast. My name is Jerry Doherty. I'm located in Massachusetts, in Westboro, Massachusetts, which is about 30 miles west of Boston. My company is called Boston Independence Group. We're an independent Massachusetts retirement planning firm. All we do is retirement planning. And the point of this podcast is to bring great retirement planning ideas to you each and every week. You know, I want to kind of go back in time for a minute. Not that far, though, just back to 2022, just back to last year. 2022 was really a wild ride for most retirees. Now, just to refresh your memory, since it was a whole four months ago, a little while ago, in 2022, we saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average drop by almost 10 percent. The S&P 500 in 2022 declined by almost 20 percent. And the NASDAQ, you know, technology-heavy NASDAQ, dropped by a staggering 30-plus percent during the year of 2022. It was a year that every retiree would like to forget. And maybe some of you have forgotten, and maybe you've forgotten 2022 a little bit too quickly and a little bit too completely. You know, in addition to being a year that we'd all like to forget, 2022 was also a year that should have taught retirees many lessons, and hopefully you learn from some of those lessons. You know, who once said that there are no mistakes in life, there are only lessons in life? Somebody said that, and I have to tell you, that's a pretty good motto to live by. When you Google around on the internet right now in 2023, and you plug in retirement planning for your search, you're gonna come across a whole bunch of suggestions on how to achieve financial happiness in retirement, a whole bunch of them. And financial happiness in retirement is indeed something that we all strive for. When you give many of these internet ideas a little bit more thought, you're going to pretty quickly realize that they're rather simplistic and they're really oversimplifications. You know, for example, on the internet, it'll tell you that there are two phases to your life. There's an accumulation phase where you're kind of diligently saving money for retirement. You're taking investment risks and you're using strategies designed to grow your nest egg. Then all of a sudden, one day, you wake up and you retire, and you begin the distribution phase of your life. This is where you begin generating a retirement income from the nest egg that it took you all of those working years to accumulate. Now, that's all good, logical stuff, but it's really a gross oversimplification, especially when you factor in a year like 2022. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say that you hypothetically retired in December of 2021. In other words, according to the internet, you finished the accumulation phase of your life and you are now entering the distribution phase of your life. And let's just say that you were fortunate enough to have saved $1 million in your 401k plan and you were looking to generate a 4% retirement income for the rest of your life. Well, if your savings were invested at the end of 2021, beginning in 2022, in the S&P 500, your $1 million just through investment losses alone would have dropped all the way down, would have shrunk all the way down to $800,000. And the 4% income withdrawal that you made would have brought things down to about $760,000. So your $1 million would have shrunk all the way down to seven sixty, nearly one quarter, 25% of your savings gone in just a 12-month period of time. Welcome to a happy retirement, according to the internet. Maybe better put, as Alice Cooper once said, remember Alice Cooper? Welcome to my nightmare. You know, 
Alice Cooper, by the way, it's interesting. I remember in high school listening to uh, Alice Cooper music. He was actually born Vincent Damon Fernier in 1948. And Alice Cooper just turned 75 years old. It's amazing how quickly time passes. Getting back, though, to 2022, if you experience two years in a row, like 2022, back-to-back 25% declines, your retirement is going to pretty quickly be over. And I mean over, O-V-E-R. And despite that, some news reports now thus far in 2023 are encouraging you to go back into the market. You know, in 2023, people right now are talking about some of the gains in the S&P 500, how markets have rebounded. But have they really? Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, the Atlanta Federal Reserve, they just revised their first quarter 2023 GDP forecast. The Atlanta Federal Reserve looks at the GDP numbers. The uh, New York Fed looks primarily at the uh, inflation numbers. But the Atlanta Federal Reserve just revised their first quarter GDP forecast downward. They they brought it from 1.7% down to a rather anemic 1.5%. So according to the Fed, they're anticipating that the first quarter of 2023, we're only going to see 1.5% growth in the U.S. economy. That's pretty bad. Inflation is still running at almost 40-year highs, and oil prices are on the rise. So although we just saw a small decline in the headline inflation number, when you look at the core inflation number that doesn't include food and energy, that number actually ticked up during the month of uh, March. So we're seeing, an in, we're seeing an increase in core inflation, and that's what the Fed most uh, closely tracks. And when you look at how um, where that number is right now, it's at 5.6%. Relative to the Fed's target of 2%, it's approaching three times what the target level is. Of course, the Fed is going to continue to raise rates throughout 2023, slowing down the economy even further. And that, of course, will lead to layoffs. And as you well know, if you've been following the news, Many large companies have announced layoffs, and layoffs in relatively big numbers. Interest rates, again, are likely to rise. Banks are having trouble doing, due to the uh, rising interest rates, rates, and bank earnings are out, in fact, this week. We just got some numbers this morning from J.P. Morgan that were favorable, but overall it's anticipated that bank earnings are going to be pretty ugly for the, uh, for the first quarter of the year. And despite all that, on the Internet, you're going to see that the S&P is up by almost 7% for the year of 2023. That's very encouraging, right? But you have to remember, it's coming off a loss of 20% in 2022. So essentially, you're just making back part of your gains. And people are going to promote the fact that you should use this up market thus far this year to entice you to invest more of your retirement savings in the S&P. But what they may neglect to mention is that the S&P is made up, as you all know, of 500 companies. That's why they call it the S&P 500. And did you realize that only 10 of those 500 companies, only 10 of those 500 companies, have accounted for 90% of the S&P's earnings so far in 2023? 10 of those companies have accounted for 90% of the earnings. That means that 490 companies are essentially treading water out of the 500. And if you dig down on the numbers numbers even a little bit more, uh, you'll see that three companies alone, three companies out of 500, have accounted for 50% of the gains thus far this year in the S&P 500. That's pretty scary stuff. This is indeed a very dangerous time for retirees. And it's one of the reasons why, right now, 
you have to have a true retirement plan more than ever before. Having a retirement plan is going to give you an amount of confidence when you go into retirement. But how do you build a retirement plan? So I want to spend the rest of this morning's podcast talking about how to build an actual retirement plan. So let's back away from retirement planning for a minute and think about building something in other aspects of your life. Let's talk about things metaphorically. At some point in your life, you may have built a new house or you may have put an addition on your existing house. And if you have, then you know that that's a pretty big undertaking. There's a lot that can go wrong. But you do it because once the project is completed, you're going to have exactly what you want. You're going to have a home that matches your vision, a home that fits your exact needs. That's why you do it. Now, the first step in the process, of course, is to meet with a good architect, someone who's going to draw up the plans for your new home and for your addition, a blueprint, essentially, for making your vision a reality. No detail is going to be left to chance. The blueprint is going to be precise. It's going to be structurally correct and it will be aesthetically right. It's going to be just what you want. And from there, every decision that you make is going to have to be reconciled to that plan, to that blueprint. So if the plan calls for 20 windows, that's exactly the number of windows that you're going to buy. You're going to buy 20. You're not going to buy one more or one less. You're going to buy exactly 20 windows because that's what the plan called for. All decisions must be reconciled to the plan. No decisions are made as standalone decisions. Each decision is made in the context of the plan. The plan determines what materials you're going to buy. And if something doesn't fit the plan, it's not going to be bought. So at the end of the day, if the architect's plan truly reflects your vision, and if you follow the plan, you'll eventually have your dream home. Your home will be everything that you ever wanted it to be. You know, there really is a confidence that comes from having a plan. I think we'd all agree with that. So when it comes to retirement, let me ask you, do you have a plan? Do you have a retirement plan? Is there a blueprint that you're following? Are you making investment decisions outside the context of a cohesive retirement plan? Well, again, today, I'd like to talk about how to build a retirement plan, a plan that will give you confidence as you enter retirement. Now, as you might imagine, there are several ways to construct a plan for retirement. And just like building a home, some methods of construction are more solid than others. Some methods of construction are going to stand the test of time, enduring through the up and down market conditions, while others are going to collapse if the economy experiences a downturn. And believe me, in a retirement that might last 30 or 40 years, you are going to experience up markets and down markets. There will be times when the economy does very poorly. So when you think about building a house, your blueprint is going to need to address several concerns, right? When you're building a house, you have to consider things like weather conditions, soil, you know, heat or cold, property line setbacks, a host of other items. So let's start by touching on some of the concerns that you may have as you enter retirement. After all, it's important to build a plan that addresses your concerns. So let's start there. So when you think about your retirement for a minute, what are some of the concerns that pop into your mind? What are some of the challenges, the risks that you envision facing as you get into your golden years? Well, I think for most people, one of the biggest risks that they're going to face is the risk of longevity. You know, Americans are living longer than ever before, which is really good news because it means that you can enjoy your retirement for a longer period of time than previous generations. 
But that also means that your money is going to have to last for a longer time than it did for previous generations. It's a double-edged sword longevity. So a big concern facing retirees is have I saved enough money? Am I going to live too long? Ultimately, am I going to run out of money too soon in retirement? And I'll bet you it's something that you have thought about. Another big concern that people express to me is the concern of health care costs. Now, there's an organization, uh, a website that you can go to, the Fidelity Healthcare Cost Estimate. And what they estimate for 2022 is that the typical 65-year-old couple here in the United States is going to spend during the course of their um, retirement roughly $300,000 in out-of-pocket health care costs in retirement. That's a huge amount of money. And I assume that not too many of you have $300,000 just lying around in the trunk of your car. If you do, I'd imagine that you probably have a couple of dead bodies in the trunk of your car as well. But that's a whole other story. And beyond those issues about health care costs, there's a host of other potential problems that every retiree plan should address as well. What about things like inflation? You know, the United States was in, prior to about a year ago, a relatively low inflationary period. But now inflation has skyrocketed. Inflation is running at 40-year highs. But did you know that even at a modest rate of inflation, let's say 2.5%, the prices will double in about 28 years, so in roughly three decades. So if you retired and your retirement income was six or $7,000 a month, and if you did have a retirement that carried you into your early 90s 30 years later, you may find that to, to have the same purchasing power that you did when you were in your 60s, you'd need twice that amount of money, twelve dollars or $14,000 a month. Where's that additional money going to come from? Your retirement plan has to address that concern. And what about taxes? You know, right now the U.S. has among the lowest tax rates in our nation's history. But how long can that last balanced against the national debt that's now more than $32 trillion and a whole ton of of unfunded entitlement spending, pensions, and a whole host of other items. So where do you think tax rates are going to be going in the future? Most people believe tax rates are going to be going up. So does your retirement plan address those risks? Things like longevity, health care costs, long-term care costs, inflation and taxes, and again, a host of other items. If it doesn't, then you really have to ask yourself, do I have a true retirement plan, or did somebody just de-risk my portfolio and call it a retirement plan? That's probably the case for most of you. So just like building a house, your retirement plan needs to address all of the risks, the concerns, and the challenges that you'll face as you go through retirement. And everybody knows that there are going to be many that retirees will face. So let me bring up to what is not a retirement plan. What isn't a retirement plan? Well, I have to tell you, hope is not a retirement plan. For those, so for those of you who are simply hoping that everything is going to work out fine in retirement, I'm here to tell you, although hope is a really wonderful sentiment, it's not a good retirement plan. And in and of themselves, neither is a 401k account, an IRA, a portfolio of investments, an annuity, or a social security benefit. Now, they're all important elements of the plan, components of the plan, but as standalone items, they're not a plan. Now, there's a financial services think tank. It's called LIMRA, L-I-M-R-A. And every year, LIMRA puts out a study that takes a look at the benefits of planning, and it's pretty obvious. And what LIMRA has found is that there's a stark difference between people who have a formal written retirement plan and those who do not. 
You know, and I have to tell you too, there are many other risks that you're going to face as you go through retirement and having a plan will give you the confidence that you need to address all of those risks. A big risk that you're going to face is this thing called withdrawal rate risk. So after you accumulate a pool of money, you know, you've accumulated money in your 401k, IRAs, 403bs for all these years, how much can you safely withdraw as withdraw as a retirement income? That's a very tough question to answer. On the internet, it will show you that you can withdraw around 3% per year as a retirement income, as a safe withdrawal rate. But it's a very difficult thing to calculate because you don't know two major factors in making that calculation. You don't know, number one, what future market returns are going to be. So you don't know how much money your nest egg will earn every single year. Nobody knows with any conviction how, uh, how, uh, future, what future rates of return are going to be credited to their nest egg. Nobody knows where markets are going to be headed in the future. And anybody who tells you that they can predict, predict where the market is going to be in one year, in five years, in 10 years, in a retirement that might last 20 years, isn't telling you the truth. And if they're making predictions on where the market's going to be in 10 or 20 years, and they're using those rates credited to your uh, nest egg, you should ask them one simple question. Where's the market going to finish this afternoon? And if they can't tell you where the market's going to finish this afternoon, how can they be trusted to tell you where the market's going to be finishing in 5, 10, or 15 years? They can't. So one of the big things is when you don't know what future market returns are going to be, credit you to your account. And then secondly, you don't know when the end point is going to be. You don't know when you're going to die, in other words. You can't possibly make a calculation as to whether you're withdrawing the right amount of money or not from your nest egg. This thing about when you're going to die, the end point is very important. For example, if I said to you, if, or if you knew with some certainty that you were going to die next year, I would say to you that you should spend all your retirement funds this year. But you don't know that because you think you're going to last, you know, you're going to live until you're in your uh, 90s. So not knowing the end point to this calculation is very tough. So at the end of the day, when you don't know what future market returns are going to be, and you don't know how long your money needs to last, how do you ever know whether you're withdrawing the right amount of money? In fact, it's very likely you're just going to be doing one or two things. You're either going to be withdrawing too much money too quickly and running the risk of running out of money, or you're not going to be withdrawing enough money and not living up to the lifestyle that you could have had in retirement. So withdrawal rate risk is a very real risk and your retirement plan has to address that. So let's recap for just a quick minute. The good news is, is that Americans are living longer than ever before. And that means that you can enjoy your retirement longer than previous generations. But it also means that your retirement savings have to last for more years. And because of our increasing life expectancies, we're going to invite a whole bunch of additional risks over all those years. These risks compose a real threat to our financial well-being. Longevity essentially is a risk multiplier because the longer you live, the, more the, the higher the odds become that you're going to witness more and more differing economic cycles, periods of high inflation, low inflation, high interest rates, low interest rates, periods of geopolitical turmoil, things happening around the world. That's what's driving a lot of market behavior right now. So all of those risks, risks have to be addressed in your retirement plan. So how do you actually build a retirement plan? How do you actually put that plan together? Well, I will tell you, it all begins just like that addition on the house that we are talking about. 
by meeting with an architect, except in this case, we're using a retirement planning architect, a retirement planning specialist, rather than an architect who would, build, who would put together plans for your house. You should actually use someone like me, someone who specializes in retirement planning alone, someone whose sole focus is retirement planning and that's it. And you should try to find somebody who's a fellow baby boomer, someone who first personally understands your unique concerns, somebody who has generational relativity to you. And once you establish a plan, no retirement investment decision should be made outside the context of the plan. The plan should determine all of the investment choices. Now here at Boston Independence Group, located in Westboro, Massachusetts, we prefer to use a three-pronged approach to building retirement plans. I commonly call it the three-bucket approach. So if you met with me in my office, or if we had a Zoom meeting, I'd put three small buckets on my desk, and the buckets would be labeled one, two, and three. I hope that's pretty easy for you to envision. Just three small buckets lined up on my office desk, numbered one, two, and three. Now, bucket number one is going to be the cash bucket. This is somewhat of an emergency fund. It's designed to take care of short-term cash needs over a two or three year period of time when you're in retirement. Now, it may also include money that you need to buy a new car or maybe remodel a bathroom, or perhaps even help kids with some unexpected expenses. And for most people, bucket number one, the cash bucket, might contain about $25,000. It's funds that are just sitting there in the event that they're needed, or maybe earmarked for a certain expense that lays just you know on the horizon, not too far in the distant future. So can everyone kind of see bucket number one? It's essentially an emergency fund bucket. Okay, that's all the bucket number one is. All right, so I'm gonna assume that everybody can kind of envision that. So let's move on to bucket number two. Bucket number two is the income bucket. This is a bucket that's probably the most important out of the three. In bucket number two, we're going to determine your income needs in retirement. So we need to give this bucket a little bit of thought. So often when people come into my office, I will say to them, how much income would you like to have coming in in retirement? And of course, people will immediately, probably like you just answered, will say, Jerry, I have no idea how much income I'd like to have coming in in retirement. So we're gonna help you determine that number. And I found that the best way to determine that number is to think about your expenses in two broad categories. Number one, your living expenses. What does it cost to keep the door open at your house? It's pretty easy to figure out your living expenses. Essentially, it's the amount of money that you need to keep the doors open in retirement. It's things like real estate taxes, insurance, property maintenance, food, utilities, and so on. And I bet you that by simply going through your checkbook, you can probably get a pretty good feel for your living expenses. And it's probably not a terribly big number, just a couple of thousand dollars per month. But don't get too complacent, my friends, because on top of your living expenses, we want to add your anticipated retirement lifestyle expenses. You know, you worked for a lot of years, maybe 40 years, and retirement should be a time of rest, relaxation, and play. So we want to figure out what all that costs. You had a vision for your retirement. Maybe if you're like a lot of people in New England, you want to spend January and February in Florida once you retire, or maybe in California, somewhere warmer, maybe in Arizona. I have a lot of clients who've gone to Arizona. So we want to figure out what you envision for your retirement, and we want to, best as we can, put a price tag on that. How much golf or tennis do you want to play in retirement? How many vacations do you want to take each year? 
How often do you want to go out to dinner? There's a cost to each one of those items, and all added up, they're going to determine your lifestyle expenses in retirement. Now, for most of you, your monthly lifestyle expenses in retirement will likely be greater than your living expenses. But combined, those two categories are going to determine your overall bucket number two, income needs in retirement. So in bucket number two, your Social Security income is going to be a part of it. But it's unlikely that Social Security alone will take care of all of your retirement income needs. So we're going to need to deploy other assets too. Things such as 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, and so on, turning them into income rather than just piles of accumulated assets. So let's talk about this for one minute. Let's say that we add up your living expenses and your lifestyle expenses in bucket number two. And just for the sake of argument, let's say that they add up to $7,000 a year. That's what you'd like to spend. And anybody's going to want you to think about this in terms of what you'd like to spend, your after-tax number. Anybody's software will gross that number up because each, each source of income is going to have different tax implications. So let's just say simplistically that your income goal is $7,000 a month. That's what you'd like to spend. And let's say that it's a married couple and they each have a $2,500 a month Social Security benefit coming in. Well, that would be $5,000 a month. So their income gap would be about $2,000 a month, $7,000 minus the $5,000 they have coming in from Social Security. So what we want to do is we want to take a look at other assets that they have, things like 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, other savings, all those assets that they've accumulated during their working years. And we want to see if they have enough assets to fill that $2,000 a month gap. And it's a pretty easy analysis for me to do. I can tell you pretty readily whether you have enough money to achieve your retirement income goal. And so just to review for a moment, in bucket number one, we've set aside cash as an emergency fund to take care of your short-term, two to three years or so, income anticipated purchases. And in bucket number two, we've determined your ongoing monthly income needs, essentially the amount of money that you'd like to spend every month to pay your living and your desired lifestyle expenses once in retirement. And it's vitally important that your retirement income is guaranteed. So you never experience the sting of running out of money in retirement. So we want to move over money uh, from your assets to fill that income gap in bucket number two. And that's about it. So once we've done that, whatever remains is going to go into bucket number three. And that's the long-term growth bucket. And into bucket number three, we're going to place everything that hasn't been deployed to bucket number one or bucket number two. And whatever that number is, we're going to position those assets for long-term growth. So let's think about this for a minute. If bucket number one, the cash bucket, will provide your short-term expenses for the next, you know, three to five years, and bucket number two, the income bucket, guarantees that your income is going to roll in every month, month after month, for as long as you live. So we've essentially protected your income and your short-term spending needs. That means whatever's left over, our goal is to try to grow it. And importantly, by having your income protected and short-term spending needs covered, we can choose a long-term investment posture strategy that might be a hair more aggressive, a hair more aggressive than conventional wisdom would typically dictate for a retiree. That doesn't mean it's aggressive. It's just a hair more aggressive. It doesn't have to be flat-out conservative. And by doing that, we have the ability to grow your remaining assets more than a typical conservative allocation would be able to do. And that's really important because we want bucket number three to help mitigate future risks that you're going to face during retirement. For example, 
If inflation really picked up during the first five years of your retirement, maybe your $7,000 a month income goal five years into retirement is no longer enough income. So we might want to generate more income. So we may take money out of bucket number three that we've been growing and reallocate it into bucket number two to generate more income. So maybe we bring you up to $7,500 a month, maybe $8,000 a month, depending upon what inflation has done. So it becomes kind of a self-sustaining retirement plan. So when you build a retirement plan using the three-bucket approach, you've created a plan that is considerably bulletproof as well as self-sustaining. So in a few weeks, when you're at a summer party, and one of your fellow baby boomers says, you know, my main concern in retirement is running out of money too soon. You can simply smile, pour them another glass of wine and say to them, I don't share your concern because my retirement plan has a bucket number two, which guarantees my income to roll in month after month, year after year, for as long as I and my beautiful spouse are alive, no matter how long we live. And if they ask you how you intend to deal with inflation or maybe rising tax rates in the future, you can respond. It's handled through bucket number three, my long-term growth bucket. I can reallocate money from bucket number three into bucket number two and generate more income at any time in the future should I encounter higher periods of inflation or maybe just economic cycles where we want to generate a little bit more income. So I hope you see that a three-bucket approach to retirement planning addresses the risks, the concerns, and the challenges that all baby boomers face as they enter retirement. And as I said at the outset, if the plan doesn't address those risks, challenges, and concerns, then you have to ask yourself, do I really have a true retirement plan? Or has somebody just de-risked my portfolio? And oh, by the way, one closing comment. If your fellow wine-drinking friend at that summer party asks you one final question, how did you get so smart and building your three-bucket approach to retirement planning? Of course, the answer to that question is that I listened to Jerry Doherty's podcast called Retirement Is Within Reach, which is found on all the major podcast outlets, and your wine-drinking friend can download this podcast as well. If you'd like to reach me about anything I discussed this morning, you can. My company is called Boston Independence Group. We're a Massachusetts Incorporated Retirement Firm. We're located in Westboro, Massachusetts, my main telephone number, it's a toll-free number from anywhere in the United States, is 877-772-1776. Again, that number is 877-772-1776. You can also visit me on the web at bostonindependencegroup.com. And I have to tell you, that is a great site for retirees to bookmark. It's loaded with tons of helpful advice about a variety of important retirement topics. And it's there, too, that you can download a free chapter of my book, which is titled Uncomplicated Money and is available on Amazon.com. My book is a series of short stories designed to explain complex financial concepts that every retiree needs to know. So order your copy today. There's also a Kindle version, all available on Amazon.com. Again, my telephone number is 877-772-1776. And you can also reach me by email. Just use my first name. It's Jerry with a G, G-E-R-R-Y, at bostonindependencegroup.com. Again, that's Jerry at bostonindependencegroup.com. Until next week, remember, retirement is within reach.